So my title is Watch, Pray and Work. I wonder if uh, anything happened to you uh, on the 21st of May of this year. Was it a day or a date that you, you think about? Perhaps for some somebody here, uh, that was your, that is your birthday. Um, I don't know everybody's birthday, uh, but that might be somebody's birthday on the 21st of May. Uh, I can't remember what day it, it, it fell on this, this year, but I wonder if uh, anyone has any recollection of what they were doing on the 21st of May of this year. Uh, did it strike you in any particular way? Were you, were you reminded of anything on the 21st of May? Well, uh, on that date this year was the 10th anniversary of a failed prediction. The 10th anniversary of a failed prediction. A failed prediction of the Lord's coming. And it uh, was to do with a, an elderly gentleman in the United States called Harold Camping. So maybe one or two of you might have heard of that name. You might may be able to cast back uh, uh, 10 years ago. And there was a great furore, great fuss, uh, when this, this gentleman and his, his particular sector group um, a, a small sect in the U.S. made this prediction that the Lord was going to come and he was going to uh, return on the 21st of May 2011. And of course it didn't come to pass, it didn't happen. And of course it goes down in history as another failed prediction. And we can think of other, other people, other groups uh, that make such predictions and then they fail to happen. And... Uh, Mr. Camping was most confident, assured that he had got it right at the time. William Hendrickson, who is a or was a uh, famous Bible scholar, says this, uh, and I'm quoting uh, from his commentary on the Gospel of Mark. He says this, Curiosity is wonderful, for nosiness, intrusiveness, impertinence, there is no excuse. Well, we can apply that to Mr. Camping and anybody else who kind of like says, well, I've worked it out. The Lord is going to come on this and this day and this hour. Uh, you know, I've done all the calculations. You know, it's good to be curious. It's good to be curious and have a, a healthy curiosity about the Word of God. Uh, but uh, as Hendrickson says, nosiness, intrusiveness, and impertinence, well, there's no excuse, and I guess that applies to Harold Camping and his campingites. Whether there are any left, uh, the gentleman passed away a few years ago, so uh, whether there's any followers left, I don't know. After uh, what well, that was, the, uh, I think the second failed um, uh, prediction. He he pre predicted, I think, 1994 and. That didn't happen. Well, we're going to be thinking and considering Jesus's final words in chapter 13 of Mark's Gospel. So if you'd like to turn to uh, Matthew 13, uh, Mark 13, sorry, Mark 13. And uh, we've been journeying through the Gospel of Mark. And uh, uh, this will be the last time I think I'll be pre preaching before uh, Christmas, so uh, we'll be going into chapter 14 in the new year. 
so we're now uh, coming to the end of Mark's uh, 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 Gospel, chapter 13. Uh, we'll be looking at the final section uh, of, uh, uh, I think, six verses, from verse 32 uh, down to 37. Now, when I was here, when I was here uh, the last time when we were considering the section before, I put this question to you um, at the end in my conclusion as we were concluding the message. And uh, I sort of put this to, to us. Uh, thinking about the appearing of the Lord Jesus as laid out for us in this passage that's in the section before, uh, and in the parallel passages, Mark, Matthew 24 and Luke 21, I was thinking about this. How is our heart attitude towards eternal things? What am I investing my emotional life upon? If it's the things of this world and not in Christ, then there is a problem. And then I read for us uh, from 2 Peter 3.10. But the day of the Lord will come like a thief. And then the heavens will pass away with a roar. And the heavenly bodies will be burnt up and dissolved. And the earth and the works that are done on it will be exposed. And then verse 11. Since all these things are thus to be dissolved, what sort of people ought you to be in lives of holiness? and godliness well we'll return to thinking about that this morning as we think about the lord's final application at the end of chapter 13 there he is on the mount of olives and we call this the olivet discourse this sort of uh, sermon on uh, the destruction of the temple and things that are, are soon to happen things that will happen or yet to happen and jesus is now drawing it to a close and giving some final application from verse 32. And that's what we're going to consider uh, this morning. And it might help us to uh, consider again what sort of people ought we to be in the light of the Lord's uh, return. So we'll be thinking about those things. Now, in previous messages, we, as we went through the chapter, we looked at the uh, the destruction of the temple that Jesus uh, is speaking about, the woes and trials that will take place, the, the false Christ that will arise and persecutions, the, the, the signs in the earth and the sky, and then the return of the Son of Man. And there's three things then that the Lord touches on in this final section. So let me just read it uh, for us, uh, and then we will have a, a think about what is going on then. Uh, with Jesus' words in this final section. So reading from verse uh, 32 of Mark 30. But concerning that day or hour, no one knows, not even the angels in heaven, nor the Son, but only the Father. Be on guard, keep awake, for you do not know the time will come, when the time will come. It will be like a man going on a journey. When he leaves home and puts his servants in charge, each with his work, and commands the doorkeeper to stay awake. Therefore, stay awake, for you do not know when the master of the house will come, in the evening, or at midnight, or when the rooster crows, or in the morning. Least he comes suddenly, 
and find you asleep. And what I say to you, I say to all, stay awake. Now in other translations, and that's I think from the ESV, it uses the word watch. And it might be in your translation, the word watch. So that's a key verse, word uh, for us this morning. And uh, that's perhaps what we, you know, I'd like you to sort of grab hold of in your mind and in your heart this morning. Watch. So those are there are three things that are so in- interconnected. Watch, pray, and work. So what might be the opposite of what Jesus is saying here? What might that look like? Well, one possibility, uh, and we've already alluded to in the case of, uh, of the sad case of Harold Camping and his followers, is to become preoccupied with predicting the exact time, uh, timing of the Lord's return. And there are other groups that are similar to Harold Camping in doing that. We can think of the Jehovah Witness, the Watchtower Society, and there are others. And of course, there's a danger. There's a great danger in pursuing that kind of course, in, in trying to do that, because we can often then start to neglect the gospel, we can start to uh, dilute the gospel, or the gospel in some ways get, becomes changed. Uh, we neglect other aspects of Christian doctrine and Christian life. Harold Camping started out in a orthodox and evangelical church, uh, but he got carried away with trying to predict the Lord's return. He was into a method of mathematically calculating dates uh, from the Old Testament, from events in the Old Testament, uh, trying to predict the return of Christ. It was, it's a system, what we, we might call numerology. And there are other people that we can find on the internet and YouTube that might be doing this. But the thing is, with Harold Camping, he had a poor grasp of sound doctrine concerning the person of Christ. And that's very sad indeed. Uh, He had a a quirky interpretive approach. And so he started a sect, and it it appears only those who had adhered to his ideas, who went along with what Harold Camping was saying, uh, would be truly saved. He wanted people to be watchful to watch, to be alert, but perhaps in the wrong way. And such leaders, when they fail in their predictions, will no doubt cause many to stumble. And it's uh, uh, very sad uh, when people put their faith and trust in an individual, when they're saying, I've worked it out, Jesus is coming, and it's on this such and such, and everything is now focused on that. And then when it doesn't happen, And, of course, that was very public. It was very public in 2011. Um, I think even the secular press and media were kind of sort of in in America were uh, homed in on this. And, of course, it all went pear-shaped for Mr. Camping. And it's very sad when you think of the the people that were following him uh, for that, you know, situation to happen. And that's a, a danger, isn't it? It's a danger when we miss interpret what Jesus is saying and we go off on a dangerous tangent. Another possibility, another problem is that we, we take no notice of the Lord's words at all or we reinterpret them um, uh, in an unhelpful way or they lose their urgency and pertinence. 
a liberal view and and you know if you've been around in christian circles and you've been reading uh, you might be aware of this that a, a liberal view it was certainly uh, a while back that the words of jesus well we just take them in an allegorical way or or we even dismiss them all together in a literal way you know uh, mankind well mankind is getting better and better and and really you know there's no such thing as have place as heaven and there's no place as, he as hell and uh, you know uh, uh, people are just going to to get more improve over time and uh, uh, we don't really take take this seriously at all jesus isn't literally going to come back or he's going to come back in a uh, in a kind of non in a figurative manner uh, as as uh, you know liberal christianity was supposed to uh, um, infuse uh, morality in society and everything was just going to get better and so there's no need to take take the, these these words literally or seriously and people there may be people who still think that way today it's not called liberalism it's called progressive christianity another option it might be uh, doing this hiding away from the world hiding away from uh, where you're living and sort of uh, uh, developing what might some people call, call cozy little fellowship syndrome and it happens when people perhaps takes a uh, perhaps a, 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 a an unhelpful uh, take on end time matters uh, and they become very insular they become very <coughs> inward looking secluded away from everyone well we're we're, we're okay in this little gathering here uh, we'll, we'll not really get involved with the world outside uh, uh, as the saying goes that the world is going to hell in the handcart and um, there's nothing we can do about it but we're safe in our little uh, and you know closeted in our little uh, uh, fellowship or group and not get involved with, with with anything or or anything like that we live in a a little church bubble and perhaps there's a, a bit of truth in, in the, the Harold Camping uh, uh, example that they, they were doing that, that his followers were having this kind of, well, we're this little holy huddle and we've got the right angle on Jesus's return. And then there's, a, there's perhaps another uh, option um, and you can go and live in a monastery. I, uh, when I was doing my pastoral placement, when I was at Bible college, uh, in Edinburgh, I was taken to see a very nice lady called Sister Pat, who was an Anglican Franciscan hermit, and she lived in a garden shed. Now you might think, well, how can that be possible? But uh, uh, it was quite a large shed, and she had a mattress, and she had icons everywhere, and uh, uh, a very nice lady. But I would ask the question: Is that what the Lord requires of us? You know, just to escape from everything and live in a garden shed and and try and be secluded away. I don't think watch, pray, and work is 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 that a, a very nice lady. Though Pat was, I don't think really the Lord is asking us to do that. So can we see the danger here? One path perhaps might lead to being a, an obsession with dates and times and trying to work things out. Uh, to the, at the expense of the whole counsel of God. Uh, and it often goes hand in hand with wrong thinking about the gospel. 
And certainly Harold Camping went off on a serious tangent in terms of the gospel eventually. And then other, 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 some of these other paths lead to either to spiritual apathy or um, self-righteousness or we neglect something, we neglect prayer, we neglect meeting with other believers and so on. Uh, so the danger of um, spiritual decline, spiritual self-righteousness, a kind of worldliness or legalism. So let us consider what the Lord is teaching us here as he's really sort of speaking about being watchful, praying and working. We're going to make notice of this one thing. The Lord is making it very clear in this chapter that there are certain things that are certain. They're going to happen. What we have in this chapter are declarations of God's fixed purpose. What he has planned to take place will take place. What we see in this chapter are events that did take place and events that we will yet to see happen. But they are going to happen. God has spoken. The Lord Jesus Christ has spoken. And as we were thinking when the last time I was here, uh, back in verse 31, as Jesus says, heaven and earth will pass away, but by words will by no means pass away. We can trust the Lord Jesus Christ. We can trust him implicitly when he speaks. So there are certain things that are certain. Jesus is coming again. Amen. Jesus is going to return. And we can trust him with that. We can trust our times in, and put them in his hands. Whatever we're going through, whatever uh, is concerning us or worrying us, we can rest assured that, that the God, the, 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 the Savior that walked this earth, that went to Calvary and died for us, that his words will never pass away. We can trust in him. But these things will happen. And we, we can take uh, comfort in that. We can, we can rely on that. Now, I don't know about you. Uh, if, if a plumber is coming and he said, I'll be with you, we like to know that he's going to come at the time that he has said. We don't like to be waiting in all day for, well, maybe the delivery guys and, you know, Wayne's with DPD and, you know, obviously it's a little bit more difficult. But we like to know, or some of us do anyway, if the plumber or the electrician or the, or the gas engineer says he's going to come, that he's going to come. And we, we plan for that, don't we? We plan that he's going to come. And we're very fortunate, Avril and I, we, we've been using a plumber called Simon, and he's a very down-to-earth black country chap. He, he's always, he does come. If he says nine o'clock, he's with you at quarter to nine, and so on. So we like that. Now what the Lord, but what the Lord is saying here is, he's saying, I am coming. The Son of Man will come, and that we can be assured of that. But he's not giving specifics. He's not giving specifics. We don't know the specifics. The time, like hour, date, uh, year, month. And the Lord in his wisdom and providence does not teach us that. He doesn't teach us the exact time or day or hour of his coming. Why? So that we will always be ready. We will be, as you know, like the batteries, ever ready. 
We will be ever ready. That's what the Lord wants us to be. Ever ready. And that's the big problem when we, you know, if we go down that, that, that path, that, that man, elderly man now passed away, Harold Camping, and there are others, and, and I'm sure we've met people who are, have this uh, obsession with uh, end times and trying to work this out, work that out. The Lord has given us what we need to know. And we don't need to know it. We can trust in him with the future, with his return. What he wants us is to be focused on always being ready. Ready for his return. Now, Jesus himself says, and this was in his earthly ministry, here in the passage, that he did not know that detail. Only the Father in heaven knows. Not even the angels. Now, from his, the aspect of his human nature, in his earthly ministry at that point, he, he didn't know. But in his divine nature, as, as God, he, he does know these things in eternity. As Philippians chapter 2 tells us, that he emptied of himself, he, be, he be, took on the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of men, that he humbled himself. So there was a, a moment in that, that in that time when he was on earth, in that, uh, we call it the great condescension, that he came from heaven, became a man, took on frail flesh, that he didn't know these precise details. But as far as his Godhead, his divinity was concerned, in eternity, he knows these things. But we can trust the Lord Jesus Christ. He says he's going to come back, and he will. But we don't need to know the day or the hour. What we need to do is watch, pray, and work. So what we need, this is what we need to take from this. And we ought not to be tempted to try and figure out things. And we ought not to be tempted to think, well, I don't think the Lord's coming for another so many hundred years, so I don't need to worry about these things. You know, I'm saved now. Um, you know, I'm saved for eternity. I'm just going to live uh, as I see fit. That's another danger, isn't it? You know, we need to take serious heed from this passage. And we need to uh, um, learn to watch, to pray, and to work. And Lord, we, and we see the, the, the repetition of Jesus' words when he says, um, you do not know, or no one knows, Three times, verse 32, 33, and 35. And then four times, Jesus, alone in this section here, this end section, Jesus is saying, we need to stay awake. We need to take heed. We need to be alert. We need to watch. So what is watching then? Well, it's a key word, as I've said in the passage. And the Greek word that's used, I think there's one other Greek word for watching, uh, but the main word that's used in this passage is the word, and forgive me, I've got the, the pronunciation of the Greek wrong, uh, is Gregorio, and it means to be vigilant, to keep awake, to be watchful. And it's from this word we have the name Gregory. I don't know if we know any of you know anybody called Gregory. You can tell them this. I think it means vigilant one. 
And in fact, there were two famous leaders in the early church called Gregory, uh, Gregory of Nazianzus and Gregory of Nyssa. They lived in the 4th century, and they were famous for being men who contended earnestly for the faith. Uh, they defended the, the doctrine of the Trinity uh, and dealt with the other uh, misconceptions about the personhood of the Lord Jesus Christ, uh, ideas that would dethrone Christ and say that he wasn't quite God or and things like that. They contended earnestly uh, for the faith. In fact, you can say that they, they served their heavenly master, they watched, they prayed, and they worked out uh, their salvation in gospel ministry. So good examples there as men who watched, prayed, and worked. And watching is discerning the dangers to our own spiritual life, isn't it? Surely. Watch, being watchful of what we believe and what the scriptures are really teaching us, uh, so that the Lord will find us uh, faithful and not idle, that we will be ever ready. And we can go to uh, uh, elsewhere where Jesus is talking uh, about being watchful and being ready, being ready for action. We can go to Luke chapter 12, um, reading from verse 35. Stay dressed for action and keep your lamps burning and be like men who are waiting for their master to come home from the wedding feast so that they may open the door to him at once when he comes and knocks. Blessed are those servants whom the master finds awake when he comes. Truly I say to you, he will dress himself for service and have them recline at table, and he will come and serve them. If he comes in the second watch, or in the third, and finds them awake, blessed are those servants. But know this, if the master of the house had not known what hour the thief was coming, he would not have left his house to be broken into. Verse 40. You must be ready. For the Son of Man is coming at an hour you do not expect. Peter said, Lord, are you telling this parable for us all? So we must be ready. And the Son of Man is coming. That is certain. But we do not know the hour. And we do not know the moment he's going to come. But we need to be ready. We need to be awake and alert. Watching, praying and serving. And it go, goes, goes hand in hand. Isn't it? We, we work. Uh, we, we watch. Whether we're watchful. We're praying. And we're working. They all go hand in hand. Prayer goes with watching, isn't it? And we ought to be praying. And it's so encouraging, uh, Mark was alluding earlier, to our Thursday prayer meeting. It's a real encouragement. Let's continue in that. Let's not neglect the prayer meeting. And maybe have other prayer meetings. And um, I'm challenged, I'm really humbled and challenged uh, by the Thursday prayer meeting. It's so great to see so many people coming. Let us continue with that let us continue to come if we can come on a thursday uh, at, at 11 o'clock let's come let's be a watching people and a praying people 
And out of watching and prayer comes work, comes our work, our service, uh, as we see in verse 34. If a man is going on a journey, when he leaves someone puts his servants in charge, each with his work, each with his work. We have a gospel work, each and every one of us, that the Lord has called us to do. He has called you to a gospel work. Wherever you are, whatever you're doing, you might not think, well, I've worked for Birmingham City Mission. Some of you know that I, I work for Birmingham City Mission. It's a great privilege, privilege and honour. Uh, and you might say, well, I'm, I'm only in secular employment. But it doesn't matter because whatever you're calling in life, if you're an electrician or if you're working for Birmingham City Council, whatever, you have a gospel work in that place, in that workplace of yours, in school, in college, at home, with, with your neighbours. You have a gospel ministry. You have a task that the Lord has given you, that only you can do. And I probably quoted it before. My, my, my line manager always tells us that, uh, tells us all, you have a gospel ministry, a gospel work that only you can do. God's called you to go and speak to that person, speak to that neighbour, speak to, you, to a, a work colleague, because God has placed you there. That's your, your work. Each with his work. So we watch, we are praying, and we are working. There is a work for you to do. So let's be active. Let's not be sleepy with the Lord's work. Let us watch. Let us pray. And let us work. I'm going to conclude this uh, with this encouragement from 1 Thessalonians chapter 4. For our encouragement. And then we'll finish. So 1 Thessalonians 4. But I do not want you to be uninformed, brothers, about those who are asleep, that you may not grieve with others who do not have hope. We have hope. For since we believe that Jesus died and rose again, even so Jesus, God will bring with him those who have fallen asleep. So when Jesus comes again, he will be bringing those that have passed away, probably including those two Gregories. What a great conversation that would be, meeting people like that who have, some who have been martyred for, for the faith, who have paid the ultimate for watching, praying and working in the gospel. For this we declare, verse 15, to you by word from the Lord, that we who are alive, who are left until the coming of the Lord, will not precede those who have fallen asleep. For the Lord himself will descend from heaven with a cry of command, with the voice of the archangel, of an archangel, and with the sound of the trumpet of God, and the dead in Christ will rise first. Then we who are alive, who are left, will be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. And so we will always be with the Lord. Verse 18. Therefore encourage one another with these words. Encourage one another with these words. And let that be a spur to us as we uh, consider watching, praying and working. Working out our salvation, not working for it, but working out our salvation. Wherever we are, wherever we find ourselves. Let us seek 
to be ever ready. Amen.